Hello, friends. This is the Neatarts Friends Church podcast. We are Jesus people, kingdom of God people, welcoming, yearning, sharing. And we're glad you're connecting here with us. We'd love to connect in person as well. If you're inclined to support this podcast or for more information, just hop on over to neatartsfriends.org. That's neatartsfriends.org. Let's jump into today's sermon. Hello, friends. It's good to be back with you in this way. Uh, Molly and I were away last Sunday, and so it's good to be back together. If you weren't able to be with us on Sunday, at least we have this. (laughs) Um, I'll address one quick thing before we jump in to our sermon. If you're looking at me and you're like, has he been crying? No. I uh, I got shot with a uh, Nerf, like a Nerf gun dart in the eyeball. And uh, so <laughs> if you're catching a fleck of red, yeah, it, it was a Nerf gun dart. Uh, should heal and be just fine. All right. <laughs> Our sermon today. Uh It's Kayla and Lola. So Kayla flopped down on Lola's couch. The two had been good friends for years and years. And even though life had changed and they they both had a lot going on, they tried to get together whenever they could. And so there they were together. And before Lola could even ask the question, Kayla just blurted out, "Uh, I'm my own worst enemy. And Lola says, what do you mean? Kayla says, well, I mean that yesterday Ben told me that he wishes that he could just go back to when he felt like he had a mom. Ben was Kayla's son in the seventh grade. Kayla goes on, she says, the same day I had my boss telling me that I I really need to step it up. I can't keep showing up late because I'm dropping off Ben and I can't take off early to go to Ben's games. Lola says, yeah, that's rough. Uh, what, What does Ben mean when he says he feels like he wishes he had a mom? And so Kayla says, Oh, he just said he feels like he never sees me between school sports and me working and the rest of life. It's just like we don't spend any time together is how he feels. Lola says, wow, I'm sorry. That kind of stuff is really hard to hear. What about that comment is the most troubling to you? Kayla says, well... It's not just his comment. It's just the way I feel about life. I feel like I'm my own worst enemy. Like 
I want to be a good mom. I want to have quality family time. And I want Ben in school sports and school activities. And I want to give 110% to my work. And I want to give 110% to my family. And I want all these things so badly. But what ends up happening is that I, I don't get any of the things that I really want. Like my, my boss thinks I'm a slacker and my son wishes he had a mom. And and it's not just those things. It's I really want to be healthy and I keep eating cake and donuts because I really like cake and donuts. And I really want to get good sleep. And after we put the kids to bed, that's when I want to veg and watch TV and talk with Tom, her husband, Stay up late. And I really don't want life to be all about money. And I really like having nice things. And I want to save for the future. And I really want to travel. I want to take nice, memorable family vacations. And I really want to exercise in the mornings. But that extra hour of sleep feels so good. And I... I really want to feel good about my body, but then I spend a ton of time wondering how other people see me. And really, I, I just want my life to not even be about me. I, I, I want to volunteer and, and give of my time and, and help other people and, and be involved with uh, care in my church and various places. And there are so many projects around the house that need done. And I like having hobbies. I want to be a calm parent. I want to not yell at my kids. And they they drive me crazy in the mornings trying to get out the door to school and work. And I really like my house to be tidy. But when I get home, I just feel like putting my feet up. And I, I really do like nursing. And sometimes I regret it all. And I'm like, why, why didn't I go into real estate or something? And I want to care or not care what people think about me. I don't want that to matter, but I cannot stop replaying a negative comment when someone makes a negative comment. I just play it over and over in my mind. And I don't want to argue with my brother every time I see him about politics or parenting or, or anything. But it's like every time I see him, he pushes my buttons and I go on a, a little rant and I really want to be kind to everyone. And oh, it feels so good when I put someone in their place. And so, I mean, I could go on and on, says Kayla, but it's just that I feel like I'm my own worst enemy. Uh, and I'm not really sure what I want. I'm not sure who I want to be because I have too many of these competing desires. And too often, it's like I don't have clarity. And so I try to get everything that I want. But my desires are incompatible. And so I just end up with a big mess. I don't get anything I want. Now, we're going to continue with Kayla and Lola. But first, does that sound familiar to you at all? <laughs> Have you ever felt like Kayla? Uh, we're going to have you pause the video and have a quick discussion uh, with whoever you're gathered with and watching this with how do you relate to Kayla uh, what is the hardest part 
of having competing or incompatible desires. So go ahead, pause the video, have that conversation. So, all throughout scripture, we can find this tension between uh, competing desires. All throughout scripture. Scripture uses the language of flesh and the spirit to describe these competing desires. And so, there are loads of Bible verses where there's a contrast between these two words, the flesh and the spirit. Uh, you can find it in Genesis Job, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Joel, uh, the Gospels, Jesus uses this language. The Apostle Paul uses this language a lot. Luke in the book of Acts, uh, the Apostle Peter, the Apostle John. The Apostle Paul says it, he articulates it real clearly. He says, the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit desires what is contrary to the flesh, and they are in conflict with one another. And so Paul goes on and says, so you're not supposed to just go after whatever you want. It's like uh, Paul's saying sometimes what people think they want isn't actually right for them. Now, let's let's back up just a little bit and let's let's hear what Paul is saying in its context in his context. So this is Galatians 5, 13 through 26. The Apostle Paul says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you'll be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, things like this. I warn you. As I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against things like this, there is no law. 
Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Today we are beginning our series through the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and this is our introduction. We wrapped up our series on the parables of Jesus, and we're starting a series on the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Uh, let's go back to Kayla and look at this scripture that we just read, asking how might this scripture be helpful to someone like Kayla? The competing desires that Kayla was wrestling with, they weren't nearly as severe or obvious as questions like, well, should I go to the, the uh, orgy and the witch coven? Or should I be kind to my family? Hmm. <laughs> uh, now, those examples come from the Apostle Paul's list in the scripture that we just read. But Kayla's competing desires, they were much more complex, much more muddled. And I think that describes the competing desires that most people experience. Uh, for instance, sometimes we act loving, but... We do it for selfish reasons. And so you're like, which, which way is that? Uh, so at first glance, when we read the Apostle Paul here and look at these two different uh, lists, we might say, yeah, your, your lists aren't very helpful because those aren't the kinds of competing desires that I'm wrestling with or that most people are wrestling with. But. The Apostle Paul's two lists there are only representative. Uh, they are not exhaustive. So you'll notice at the end of each list there, the flesh and the spirit, the Apostle Paul says, oh, and things like this. Or maybe your Bible says things such as this. Uh, it means these two lists are not exhaustive. These Two lists are showing you two different trajectories. Like, here's what life in the flesh looks like. Here's what life in the spirit looks like. And so these two lists are showing us ending places, not starting places. That They show us, ah, there's a fork. Um, so they, they help us take a deeper look at our motivation, not just what we're doing, but Where's it coming from? Uh, what is the place that we're living out of, our sense of identity that we are living out of? So what's the difference between these two lists? What's the difference between the flesh and the spirit? Well, I like James Dunn's answer the best. He's a Bible scholar and theologian. And he, he says the difference between the flesh and the spirit here is that the flesh demands but the spirit produces. I'll say that again because it's super helpful. The flesh demands, but the spirit produces. So the flesh is trying to be filled up and compensate for some kind of inadequacy. It's seeking external validation and external approval. It's never content. It's always striving, full of anxiety and needing to assert itself and control and manipulate others and real competitive, very demanding. You remember the very first story 
in the Bible about competing desires. Uh, it's the Garden of Eden with the forbidden fruit. Adam and Eve have supposedly everything, everything they could want. Their world is perfect, but their thoughts become consumed with, if what about that thing I don't have? If, if only I could have that thing that I don't have right now. Adam and Eve have already been named. They have already been told who they are, that they are created in God's image to be stewards of all creation, to care for every tree, and to be fruitful and multiply. And yet their thoughts are, what about that? What about that thing I don't have? If only I could have that thing that I don't have. It's the flesh. The flesh demands. Going back to Kayla, um, it's the part of Kayla's motivation that drives her to do things because she's thinking about what she doesn't have right now. So it would be Kayla obsessing about what other people are thinking about her and trying to find external validation uh, or trying to find something that will help her escape her own feelings of inadequacy. Uh, it's Kayla thinking that who she is is what other people think of her. The flesh demands, but the spirit produces fruit. Every farmer knows that fruit is simply a natural product of what a tree already is. Uh, so fruit is this picture, like the fruit of the spirit is this picture of people who are being who they already are. They're rooted in the truth of who they are in Christ. It's I am in God and God is in me. I'm created in the image of God. And so I'm not trying to fill up a whole bunch of like inadequacies. I'm simply being who I am. Fruit is not about doing, it's about being. Uh, being comes before doing. Uh, the Apostle Paul, by introducing the fruit of the Spirit, is not trying to kickstart a new behavior modification program. He's, he's actually arguing against a spirituality of achievement and rule following and trying harder. So the fruit of the Spirit is not like, well... You were trying to do this, but that didn't work, so let's just try to do that. Uh, that's not what he's trying to do. And he's, he's not trying to give us another add-on to the life we're already living. Uh, so it's not like, well, I should act loving through the Spirit. I should, or I ought to act joyful. No. The Apostle Paul wants love and joy and peace and the rest of the fruit to flow out of the core of our being, out of the, it's the essence of who we are. So it would not be a picture of Kayla saying, man, I got to get myself in gear. Uh, I really need to be a good Christian. And so I should start acting better. I should, I, I need to do the right things. I need to do love. Uh, no, it would be a picture of Kayla recognizing God is in me. I am in God. That's that picture, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so God's in me. God is love. And when so when I'm love, when I'm loving, I'm being who I am. I'm created in the image of God. That's my blueprint. My blueprint is 
love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And ha, ah, that, that feels wonderful just to be who I am in that way. And, and there's clarity there. And we are all created to reflect uniquely the character of God together. So the Apostle Paul uh, talks about this in different ways throughout Scripture. It's Christ is being formed in you. He says that in Galatians. Uh, or in Romans, he says, you were created, you were predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son. It's the fruit of the Spirit is the visible shape of the life of Jesus in all of us. It's not individual. It's in all of us. The, the fruit of the Spirit is that visible shape of the life of Jesus. Jesus says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Notice Jesus doesn't say by their politics, their, their identity politics, you will know them. Uh, which, which party are they with? Um, or by their Facebook posts, or by their bumper stickers, or whether or not they're on X side of an issue, or by how successful they are, or by their church affiliation, you will know them. No, Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus says, by their fruit. The Spirit energizes us to look outward with concern for others, uh, rather than competing, rather than tearing other people down, we're motivated to build them up and build the community, repair, maintain the community, because fruit doesn't demand, the spirit doesn't demand, the spirit produces. That very first fruit that was given by God to Adam and Eve, it wasn't about demanding, it was about producing God gave Adam and Eve every tree in the garden to be stewards of, to cultivate, to care, to prune, to harvest. And they weren't in control of that entire growth process, but God involved them in that growth process. And God gave them an identity. They had been named. You are created in the image of God. You are good. You are my co-workers. You are stewards. Be fruitful. Multiply. And so the fruit of the Spirit is this visible shape of the life of Jesus in us. I am in God. God is in me. The theologian Karl Barth uh, put it this way. He said, it's, it's not really God saying in the Bible, you ought to do this, you should do this. It's more like God saying, you are able, you are capable to live in this way. This is who you are. This is the visible shape of Christ in you. So the Apostle Paul's not trying to talk about doing the right thing here. He's talking about being the people God created us to be. Fully, authentically, completely who God created us to be. Because being comes before doing in Scripture. Now, this, this world we live in is constantly trying to squeeze us into its mold and constantly trying to tell us who we are. So we hear this all the time in ways that we may not even recognize. We're told, 
you are what you do. Uh, or we're told, you are what you have, what you possess. Or you are what other people say about you. It's what they think about you. Or you, you are <laughs> uh, who you feel, what you feel, uh, who you feel like you are. Uh, your cultural conditioning, or you are Facebook's algorithm and what they tell you about yourself. We get all these messages, and, and those are the things, the thoughts that tie us up in knots. And now we're unsure of what we want, and we're lacking clarity. Could it be that simply knowing who you already are might bring that clarity to your muddled, conflicted desires? It's, I already know who I am. I know my blueprint. I'm made in the image of God to be God's co-worker, a steward, a disciple. God is in me. I am in God. And my blueprint is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness, self-control. Could it be that all of those times when you're lacking clarity and your desires are muddled and conflicted and confused and you're just in that murky middle spot, if this question might actually give you clarity. If you said, what, what's my core motivation here? Is it flesh or spirit? Uh, is it demanding or producing? Is this desire, this conflict that I'm feeling internally, uh, is this desire rooted in a motivation that is demanding, trying to compensate, trying to seek some kind of validation, trying to control uh, based in something I don't have? I'm unsure of who I am. Is that where my motivation is coming from? Or is my desire coming from being who I really am, who I already know I am in Christ? Does this come from a motivation to give, to produce out of who God has already created me to be because I am in God and God is in me. Could it be that that question could help you? I want to close our time today by simply inviting you to watch a passion fruit go from flower to fruit and to, to simply reflect uh, this is a span of like 70-some days or something put into a time lapse of a few minutes. But to watch this process and to reflect on what it means to, to be who you are in Christ and for the fruit of the Spirit to become obvious and evident within you. Love you, friends.